0: Hey, this is Aaliyah Henry, host of the Charity Talk Show on Fishbowl Radio Network. Check out the show every Tuesday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time in the Blue Stream. Expect to hear about nonprofits, philanthropy, and how to help impact the community. Don't miss out. Charity Talk with Aaliyah Henry. On FishbowlRadioNetwork.com. Jump in. Good afternoon everybody, it's Aaliyah Henry with Charity Talk and I am excited to be in the studio today. I'm sounding a little bit raspy but I'm getting over um, something Um, so just bear with me today and um, we will try to get through it. (laughs) So I hope everybody is having an awesome Tuesday and uh, we're actually seeing a little bit of spring-like weather here in arlington texas today so it's pretty nice we've actually been getting some uh i would say blowover from all of the cold weather states these last couple of weeks so it's really good to just be like kind of just out with no jacket and I did see people wearing shorts today. I'm not really sure if I'm, like, all in with that, but um, definitely uh, loving the fact of the the warmer temperatures at least for a couple days. So, um, so anyway, so I want to introduce our guest today, which is Kendria Taylor. Hi, Kendria. Hi. <laughs> so excited to be here. Oh my goodness! I'm so excited to have you here and. As you all know I have a passion for talking to individuals and highlighting nonprofits but then also really just diving deep into um, some philanthropic work volunteerism and Kendria really just sets the bar and sets the bar really high and so I wanted you all to get to know her and she's got a project um, a few projects that I want to introduce you to and um, so I'm really excited to spend the next hour with her and, and you all getting to know a little bit about Kendra and what she does and how she is impacting um, her community um, here and across the U.S. So I'm going to jump right in <laughs> and um, let's talk a little bit about, because I want to set this up and so for our audience that's listening and thank you all to those of you that are have tuned in that are watching online um and uh i want to kind of set the stage so you know a lot of times when you're younger you always see different things going on in your community and whether or not you have that burning desire passion in you to help give back to others um That really comes from when you're young sometimes. And so you often hear a lot of philanthropists, a lot of volunteers say, wow, I was doing it since I was five, or oh, my family used to volunteer at the local food bank, or, you know, whatever it is. And so I really, I firmly believe that that desire to help others truly is um, internal and it really does start when you're young. Because that is when you are, you know, your brain starts developing from the time that you are zero to age three. And so you're really understanding and becoming who you are and so I really think it's important and so as I talk to people about why they give and people often ask me you know why are you so involved um, you know I'm involved because my parents were always involved they were always doing something I never really understood it um, but I knew we were always helping people whether it was families whether it was at church whether it was at a food bank but I always knew it was a part of my life. And so I think as I grew up, I just knew that those were things that I would always keep doing. And then, of course, as you get older, you find those things that, uh, like the, the passion for yourself. And... Um, So I want to jump in and and introduce Kendria, and let's get to know her a little bit. Talk about um, where you're from and a little bit about your education and uh, how you landed in Dallas. Hey, awesome.
1: (laughs) Well, I am. I love to start out by saying I'm a Kansas girl, right? So I'm a country girl through and through. Don't let the... I definitely am um, a country girl, grew up in... Kansas Kansas City, Kansas. um, All my life moved here when I was about 20. But my story of philanthropy and volunteerism is very similar to yours. Mm -hmm. Um, Both of my parents were heavily engaged in the uh, the the Kansas City, Kansas community. We had several grocery stores growing up and that was honestly my dad's way of answering the call of the food disparity. Okay. Um, where we were, also the food deserts that were around, um, and, and the things that caused that to happen. So just the economic disadvantage that the people there had, which caused, you know, things like drug related poverty and, and all kind of other things, right? So we saw our dad. So first of all, let me just tell you this. There are nine of us, okay. okay? So we were little, like, we were trained from from <laughs> wee babies to, to now. We were trained. It's like I always tell people, our parents had us because they were like, hey, we've got this cause. You've got to go work this cause. We've got this job. You've got to go work this job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So our parents were really into the community. By the time, I mean, I was a little girl and I could understand it. My dad, had, he was... He had several projects that he was working on. Um, Besides running our grocery stores, he was sponsoring Little League teams. He was sponsoring summer camps. He was helping people get off drugs. He was very involved politically to help change the political climate that was happening in our small town. He was a big influence. So we saw those things, volunteering at school, um, adopting adopting. Families over the holidays um it, and it wasn 't a choice. it was like, "Hey, this is what we 're doing, mm-hmm. even to this day, my mother will call and say i've adopted a family, I need a hundred dollars from each of you, so yeah. it's kind of like we don 't we don 't ask we, okay, mommy, what do you need we 're going to give it so even into her eighties she 's still very involved with helping the community, so um that 's what we saw, so even as a little girl. I remember one story. Um, mm-hmm. Me and my twin sister, we used to give our lunch money away. And my mother was like, you know, you're all... But we would dig in our, in our dad's pockets in the morning and take out extra lunch money and we, or milk money because we were in kindergarten at the time. Okay. And we would just make sure if we saw someone that didn't have milk, this person needs to have milk because yeah. we want everyone to have milk, right? right? So, I mean, it started at a really young age and just seeing... Um, The people that my dad helped, um, by the time I was 16 and driving, my mother would have us deliver groceries to the elderly that might have been sick and shut in. She never talked about money. She said, just give them their receipt, and they'll pay it when they can. Mm -hmm. Because there was that need in our community. So my parents really – the grocery store was where we we did our homework, where we worked, where we – Lived most of the time because it was just us running our business after my father passed away when I was eleven so okay. um, we 're the heart we are at the heart of our community, mm-hmm. uh, and we, we still are that today so i'll be i 'll be headed home in a couple of weeks because my brother, who was being honored to con- he 's been continuing that legacy. Wow for the last 30 years That's um, amazing yeah my father developed his opened his first door in 1966 so I'm headed home in a couple of weeks to, to honor my brother because can the, the city of Kansas City will be honoring him um, and his legacy and what he's done his commitment to the um, community
0: that's so good. that's
1: good I moved here um, to go to school. I am an undergraduate of the University of North Texas. Go Eagles! That's right, because
0: when we first met, so Kendri and I met at the Girls, Inc., Mm -hmm. Tarrant County event a few years back, and it was the college shower. So, Mm -hmm. of course, we were all in our college gear And I had an opportunity to meet you and your sister. Yes. So that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, my older sister who Mm -hmm. served on my committee. So the last three years, I've been the college shower chair uh, for that campaign for the last three years. Um, I was the first woman of color to to do that uh, campaign, Mm -hmm. to chair that campaign. So I'm very proud of where we have brought it in the last three years. And I was able to pass that on to another woman of color. Um, So I'm excited about that.
0: That's very good.
1: Yeah, so I'm by way of uh, Kansas City to North Texas. Uh, Again, go Eagles, go Mean (laughs) Green, Uh, and then I got a master's degree from the university or Amberton University in family studies, so I'm really big on education and family.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's so interesting that, um, you know, you said as an African-American woman, you know, leading and being in a chair position. You know, I want people to understand that, yes, there are many roles that are out there, um, but a lot of times we are serving in those roles as the first, um, even now in 2019. And so, yes, there's a lot of work that has been done, but there's a lot more work to do. And so I am always fascinated with um, anyone who wants to serve and to lead but I also think it's important as an African-American woman that is serving mm-hmm. um, and leading to also make sure that other people lead. And one of the things that really resonated with me just now is when you stated that you had served as the chair of the college shower um, for you know three years. But then when you left... It was then the baton was passed to another African American woman.
1: She's Latino. Latino. I'm sorry, my of
0: color. Yeah. B- b- color woman of color. But what I want people to understand is that most of the girls that we are serving and that were served in the college showers since I've been participating mm-hmm. have been minority women, Hispanic and African American. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I really feel that is important is that they see us in roles where they are receiving the assistance and the support. And so that's really key. So thank you for sharing that, but then also thank you for making sure that it was important that another minority female was still serving in that seat. Because I think it's very important that not only do we we have a seat, we always talk about having a seat at the table, being able to make change, well, sometimes that's not always as easy as people think. We're not always at the table. And sometimes when we're at the table, there's still not a voice. And so, um, but we are there and we are in some positions where we are able to, um, to share our concerns and also help um, bridge the gap. Because sometimes in these seats, I don't even think people realize what they're doing. Um, you know, because it just has not been common for them. And so being able to be at the table, um, gives us an opportunity to share our voice and our concerns about diversity.
1: And you're so right, Aaliyah. I can't tell you how many women in the workplace that have come up to me in the workplace, um, in the community to just say, you know, thank you for representing us. Mm -hmm. But not just representing us, but representing us well, and then reaching a hand back and saying, hey, you should come and serve on this, um, or you should come and do that. So I serve on a board in Dallas called Communities and Schools Dallas. Okay. And one of my initiatives is our Leadership Council. So we're an organization that serves 85% of our students are of color, yet I am the only black woman on the board. Our CEO is currently trying to change that. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that I thought, I've been on the board for 3 years. I just got renewed for another 3 years. One of the one of my initiatives that is just special for me, I built this leadership council. Mm-hmm. And the Leadership Council is young professionals. It's kind of like a junior board. Young professionals that are subject matter experts um, and professionals in their own right that can bring something to the table. That would not necessarily get a seat.
0: Yeah, that's good. They're not
1: necessarily trained to serve on a board. Someone has to give them a chance. So. They get an opportunity to see how the executive board operates. They get to come to meetings. We throw them projects that they have to execute from implementation to execution Mm -hmm. to completion. And so my goal is to eventually pluck a few people from that board, Mm -hmm. um, from my leadership council, and put them on the executive board because Mm -hmm. then they'll know the organization, the service delivery model, those things. And then they'll be comfortable to come to the table because it's one thing about coming to the table.
0: Yeah.
1: It's one thing talking at the table, right? I want them to be prepared to be able to raise a hand and say, hey, I've got a question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to be able to come to the table, be prepared at the table, and to be able to open up their mouths and say what they have to say to progress the mission of the organization. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's so important that we discuss it. And, you know, a lot of times there's, <clears throat> there's not a lot of discussion. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the great things about having a platform is, Is that I always said if I had a platform, I would make sure that I talked, you know, and I talked about things that matter, whether it's our nonprofit community, philanthropic community, um, serving, um, volunteerism. And so, again, I just think it's important to highlight um, a lot of amazing women such as yourself and that's why you're here today and i think it's great um because you've got a lot of fun things going on that we're gonna um, continue to to talk about and share but um, thank you for sharing also that experience because i think um we don't always think about it because we just assume that because if the women are color are in roles that oh they always get asked for to be a part of a board or they get asked to be a part of a committee and that's not always true and so but it's good that um, we do have some opportunities and that we try to excel and do our best and work hard and collaborate and partner um, so that we can, can continue to be in those spaces as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's what it's about, collaboration and and setting the tone and really setting a tone and and doing it correctly. I don't want to mess up this opportunity because I want some people to come behind me to take it, right? Yeah. So that's, you know, that's what I love about Serving, and that's why I love serving on boards and just being in the community. And sometimes it's not even about serving on boards, it could just be doing something like serving on a committee in Girls Inc., right? So mm-hmm. I'm not on their board, but I'm definitely well known throughout that organization for the work that I've done with one of their largest campaigns that they do. That the College Shower, I mean, you know, or, yeah, or, or your huge. listeners may not know, but I mean, over a hundred girls college bound participate yeah. in that every year. And I don't know about you, but when I went off to college, right, I'm sure since your parents were very engaged, you had everything that you needed, right? Some of these mm-hmm. parents are lucky to get their child off to college with a scholarship, yeah. but they still need bedding when they get there, right? They yeah. still need school supplies when they get there, and they don't have a clue. So bringing in all these organizations and all these wonderful women uh, to support these young women is is great. And, yeah, the, mm-hmm. most of their participants are African-American and and Latino girls.
0: Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I got involved. Um, you know, it's interesting. I don't have I don't have a daughter, but um, but I am female, so I do feel like I have a responsibility mm-hmm. to help another um, young woman, whether mm-hmm. or not they're African American, Asian, Hispanic, Caucasian, whatever. But that's my responsibility mm-hmm. as a servant leader, and so. Um, you know, it was something that I could resonate with. I had, you know, met um, their CEO and their chief development officer years prior to that, so I've been involved with going to some of the luncheons and things like that. So, um, but again, it's an it's a mission that really caught my attention. And that I really felt like, wow, I really wanted to be a part of it. So to those of you that are listening, when you're thinking about opportunities to get involved, think about some of the things that pull your heartstring. And some of the things where you feel you have experience and knowledge in, where you can be a good resource, you could be a lead on a committee. Um, and that's really where you thrive. You, you, you tend to thrive in, in right. areas such as that. And so if you're interested um, in looking at service work and nonprofit works, you know, start there. Start where your heart is and things that you like to do. If you are a math junkie, love videos and robots, then look up different organizations that have components of STEM. Um, so that you can get involved that way, you know. If you like to cook, maybe you would want to participate with the North uh, North Dallas Ter- or North Dallas Food Pantry, you know, wherever it is. But always connect it to something that resonates with you, something that resonates within your heart. It could also go for a cause. You hear lots of people talk about. I'm involved with Susan G. Komen. I'm in- involved with the lymphoma society i'm involved with the leukemia society you attach whatever you're involved with maybe with something that is resonating with you and so and that's really where you start i get a lot of those calls and sometimes people are wondering like "Hey, Ali, i really want to volunteer but where do you think is the best place for me and i think my first question is what do you like to do (laughs) and i always like to share that
1: that's true because that's where you're going to be committed right because this is yeah. It's work. And that's why everyone yeah. doesn't do it. So if you don't do something that you're not initially just overly zealous and passionate about, the moment it gets a little bit hard or you have an engagement for work or you've got something coming up with family – or whatever, that commitment to that organization, that cause, that, that mentorship program, it goes out of the window, right? Yeah. So you've got to find something that you love. For me, it was Big Brothers and Big Sisters originally, right? Because yeah. I have siblings, but me and my twin sister were the babies. So we're like, we want to boss somebody else around. <laughs> we're going to go get some little sisters from Big Brothers <laughs> and Big Sisters. And 18 years later, I've gotten two little sisters to gra- graduate from the program. That's I was with amazing. my first little sister for 10 years. My second little sister, Sydney, for eight years, and then she graduated and went off to college and I mean it, it was an amazing feeling for me, yeah,
0: and that's good, and I always feel like, um you know, and same thing for me my and my family, there were four of us, but theres an age gap, mm-hmm. so I kind of felt like I was the only girl, and my youngest brother, he was mm-hmm. the only boy in a sense because we were all even though we were home, but we were really all at different stages, mm-hmm. and so it's always interesting to, you know, I never had that little sister, and of course he he would always say I was his little sister, which I never really <laughs> figured that out. And um, but we weren't, and um, but I always was involved in in doing some type of me- mentorship um, programs, and I, I really feel um, proud, I would say, to just be able to share my story. Um, So that it does become, you know, people can see that walk and that path. And I think those are really important.
1: Right. And it's genuine, right? Yeah. It's it's genuine because you, again, you genuinely have a passion for it and you love it. Um, Again, it was never my intention to be a big sister for 18 (laughs) years. And it's so funny because after I completed... Being a big sister after 18 Mm -hmm. years They were like well why don't you serve on the board I'm like you guys are just not going to let me go (laughs) So I did a stint on the board In Tarrant County for Big Brothers and Big Sisters For about 5 years And I was like okay I've got to give somebody else my time For a little bit but Everyone knows that's a part of that organization That's that's ever been a part of that organization I definitely have Love for Big Brothers and Big Sisters Um, But I was committed you know I was committed to both Little sisters to the point where you know, you never think about a volunteer appreciation. As a volunteer, mm-hmm. you do it because you love it. But um, in 2000, I want to say maybe 2001, mm-hmm. um, they gave me the Heart of, the Heart of Gold Award. And then wow. in 2006, I believe it was, yeah, 2006, I won Big Sister of the Year. And that wasn't anything I was expecting. I just have love for that program and what I was doing in the lives of the young women that I was mentoring.
0: Yeah, I think it's important. It's so interesting when you're doing the work. It's not because you're doing it for any allocates. You're doing it because you enjoy doing it. And
1: time flies by because you love it. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So I want to... also talk a little bit about your couple of projects that are going on so we can okay. dive into that so and so I know so Kendria is a author and she is an author of two books currently the first book is called The Adventures of Jax and Riley um, and that's Jax and, Jax and Riley meet their new brother her second book which is out now is called um, Jacks came from frosting cake, <laughs> and so her series is derived from her pets, her two,
1: two her two, dogs. Yes, yeah,
0: her two dogs. So if you follow her on Instagram as well, you'll you'll see lots of Jacks and Riley um, photos, and as they <laughs> they're making headlines. But I want to talk first about the first book. And what was it that inspired you to write this story? Because I think it's interesting. You know, I think about your path as um, student, corporate, professional, um, volunteer, philanthropist, and now you birthed this baby. Talk a little bit about what inspired you.
1: Well, it was one way for me to get back into working with children in a different capacity.
0: Okay,
1: I left. I, I used to work in nonprofit years ago. I left nonprofit to go into corporate America mm-hmm. to kind of get the feel for what that looked like. I also thought on that side of the table. Um, I think that's where my philanthropy really came in being funder, being a funder and donor for certain projects. Right. So, but you know you. you <laughs> Every time I was somewhere, um, either talking to other donors or coming in as a donor uh, to look at a project that maybe they wanted some funding for, I found myself like not paying attention to the adults, but gravitating towards the children. Well, what are you coloring? What are you doing? What can mm-hmm. I join you? And it just—they were like, "Okay, Kendra, you've got to come back over to the board." I'm like, "Okay, in a minute." So <laughs> it was my way. Of getting back into really working with children in a way um, mm-hmm. and, ex- and exploring that side of my creativity and okay. making a difference. So the, the book series is really a level of social, emotional learning for children and, and mm-hmm. knowing what I've been up against as a social services provider um, in nonprofit and seeing kids go through so many different things, seeing kids that in my own family go... Through certain things Mm -hmm. um, And how dogs really make a difference Mm -hmm. So so this has been um, An idea of mine For a really long time But it wasn't until I was actually dating someone Who had a son Mm -hmm. And he wanted nothing to do with me Absolutely nothing And I was like okay it's okay Because kids love me Kids still love me He just didn't want anything to do with me at the time And um, so it was one day I said you should go for a walk with us and he didn't talk to me on the entire walk, which wow. I was okay with, you know. Um I have a social services background, so it was okay. But... Two or three times that we did that, he started talking to my dogs and kind of playing with my dogs. And I said, oh, that's what it is. That was
0: the connection. That
1: was the connection.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And from that, um, he told me everything about school and about his friends and about his mom and about his dad and about his grand. And just, you know, his his grandmother and grandfather. And um, mm-hmm. we built a great relationship. Um, and it's funny because... He was part of the inspiration for the first book, Jackson Riley, Meet Their New Brother, because I, I think we don't really think about um, a kid's perspective, yeah. you know, and how pets can kind of make a difference. And that same child today is like, hey, you know, he's, he's done things with me with Big Brothers and Big Sisters, right, mm-hmm. for Girls, Inc., um, so for uh, the AKA Cleanup Day that the AKAs have um, in the summertime. So, he's been a big part of of this journey, but I really just wanted to but he hates reading. He absolutely yeah. loves math.
0: Interesting. And he
1: hates reading. So, this was just something that I was like, "Hey, help me put this together. This is what I'm doing. Read it. Tell me what you think. Give mm-hmm. me your ideas. Tell me if you don't like it. Tell me what you do like." Um so that was the that was the initial um first book. My I've had this inspiration for a while, but he definitely inspired um he definitely inspired that first book.
0: That's awesome. That's really awesome. And so the first book really is about a blended family. Yes. And which is very interesting because um, we have many families that are very, very much blended. Um, and there's so many things that can happen, whether or not it's wrong, right, it, you know, it is very difficult sometimes to blend families and then sometimes and now what you're hearing is more of the co-parenting Right. you know you even hear about people taking the same vacation so that everybody's on vacation at the same time so that it just kind of helps with the whole process and um so I think being able to be blended you got to get creative you do yeah and it's a partnership it's not you know, it, and, and there's not a one-size-fits-all right. for blending in families. But I love the way that you um, have taken Jackson and Riley to really kind of talk about these important topics, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I want to talk about the next book real quick. Okay. And this is book two, and we'll, we'll, t- we'll dive into a little bit about the book. I actually have the book for those of you guys that are... Um, On Facebook live We've got a link on the website Where you can purchase The book as well Um, You can purchase it for yourself Or your child um, But then you can also purchase it And donate the book Mm -hmm. To Dallas Life And we'll talk a little bit about, about that in a minute But the second book is The Adventures of Jax and Riley And this is Jax Came from Frosting Cake Tell us a little bit um about uh, this particular book and why it's kind of near and dear to your heart
1: okay um, well i I love the second book I love the first book, but I it's love cute. the second book and I love going to elementary schools and reading mm-hmm. the book and different programs with kids and reading the book um, again it's it's about it's, it has a family element as you're flipping through the book, one thing you'll notice every character in the book. No matter what character in future books, every character has a heart in their hair.
0: Mm -hmm. I see. That's cute.
1: And it's kind of like my little tag that at at the heart of everything is family, right? Mm -hmm. So this book is is inspired and was really based off my dog, Jackson, who I adopted him when he was one. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have the relationship with him that I had with my other dog, Riley, because I got him when he was six weeks. Um, Jackson did not like me. He bit me a couple of times. He was, you know, and I felt like he thinks I'm going to leave him. He thinks I'm mm-hmm. just going to let him go. Um, and I, I got to thinking, I wonder how many kids think that way. Sure. And they don't want to tell their foster parents. They don't want to tell their um, adopted parents—they mm-hmm. don't want to mention it in school, but they're—they're they're, they're feeling a certain way, and yeah. I wonder if they projected that onto a dog, and said, "Wow, I think Jacks might be feeling this way." How much more information we could get from them, mm-hmm. and be able to help them to overcome maybe some barriers that have derived from their situation of being in foster care. Yeah. So. A couple of things that are particular about both books. There's a blank page. Mm-hmm. It has pictures. I was going to talk. I was
0: going to talk about that blank page. Um, yeah. Here it is, guys. Here.
1: Well, that's my questions that's page. That's your right? questions so,
0: page. But there's a blank page. I think it's there. like two or
1: three pages in in the front. Yeah. So as you go, you go. Um, keep going. This, I, think yeah, I, I, think I think that it. might be it.
0: I'll find it. That's here. okay.
1: One more. So, so in my book, there's um, there's a page with no words. There it, there it
0: is. Up. Yeah.
1: The purpose of the purpose of that is because here you have a, a little dog in the window mm-hmm. and he looks excited, <laughs> or maybe is he anxious? Yeah. Right? Or maybe is he nervous in not such a good way? Um, and the dog that's in mom's arms is being brought to a new home. How is he feeling? That's the place where I ask kids when I'm doing workshops or when I'm doing readings, what do you think they're feeling? And yeah. you wouldn't believe what kids will say because sure. I have a happy component to this, right? I'm thinking all happy thoughts. But some kids are like, I don't know, maybe he's nervous because this is like the third puppy that's come in. And yeah. and, and maybe they're thinking, I don't want to be friends with this, this puppy because mom and dad might not keep them. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the puppy that's coming into the household What are they thinking? And in this particular book, um, Jax talks about going through three homes, and that's why he doesn't like to play. He goes to the park and plays by himself. But it's a way for the child who's reading this book to articulate how they might be feeling, but project that onto the dog so there's not that pressure. Yeah. Um, and they can also rewrite the story. It's, mm-hmm. you know, this is how the story's starting, but what do you think they should say? What do you yeah. think they want to say?
0: And you had um, an opportunity to read um, the first book, correct, at Vogel Alcove.
1: I, I wasn't Was able f- to do that. Okay, I'm um, sorry. But I've, I've read the first and second book um, okay. for. Oh, goodness. I've done some girls' ink schools. Okay. I've done the Boys and Girls Club. I've worked with DISD, and they okay. do every year, they do a, a, a big reading for okay. Life History Month. I've, I've done a lot. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think it's really important, two things. I think it's important that um, that the children see um, a different variety of books. You know, they don't always have to be Marvel books. They don't always have to be um you know just your abcs but you know things when you're talking about feelings emotion um and, and sit in life lessened situations is are really key because we often don't realize how many of our children really are going through those different challenges every single day and what does that mean and how do they react what is their reaction Um, you know and especially at an elementary school age which is really different Um, you know my son is in intermediate school and he asks a lot of questions and it's not just because he's like he just wants to know but he's also dealing with people in his school that are getting bullied he's also dealing with situations where um, mom and dad split up and now You know, this person's living in two houses. What does that look like? What does that mean? Um, Someone had to move. They had to take a new job, so they're losing their friends. There are so many things that kids are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And something as, you know, blending this great dog into a new family has so many different similarities what kids go through on a regular basis. I think you've hit this one on the nail in terms of being able to talk about um, a topic, but then also being able to put themselves in that, in the shoes to really think about it for themselves and really build their own story, um, I think is key. Another thing about Kendria's books is in the back, um, she has a question, a questions page, For the book and for the children so that really it engages that conversation Mm -hmm. um, about the topic. And I think that that's really key.
1: You engage them. You kind of continue the conversation. Um, And also, not everyone feels comfortable um, reading a a book like this and knowing that, hey, this is something that... um, you know, they may have some questions for me, and I don't know. Or may, maybe they might just shut down Yeah, because it's too close to, to home, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the questions in particular is, you know, what are the feeling words in the story, right? Mm-hmm. So it allows the, the, the child and the parent of the child and the adult reading the book to know if the child is comprehending, yeah. right? What are the feeling words? Um, well, he was hungry. Yeah. Well, have Aww. you ever been hungry? You know, mm-hmm. um, and you didn't get food? Is it, have you ever been through a time like that? Yeah. What about angry? Yes, he was, Jax was angry. Have you ever been angry? So mm-hmm. it allows to open up that conversation. But there's some fun questions in there, like, you know, to start out with, like, what kind of cake do you like? Yeah. Um, obviously, Jackson didn't come from frosting cake but the whole premise of the story is mom is telling how they celebrate him every year by eating cupcakes and he always gets extra frosting on his cake because he came from foster care and that's just to celebrate when their family got bigger
0: yeah and i think it's really key because we typically celebrate everything birthdays graduations new job you know new home, mm-hmm. and that's really key, and so just really making all of those connections and everything that we're doing really i think um builds some a foundation even for our own children because they remember right. exactly what we do, you know um, and it's very interesting to to listen to children um, recently my my son was talking about. Um, a friend at school, and he had said that for a couple of days he didn't bring a lunch, and they couldn't understand why he didn't have his lunch. Like, and but they said did you forget your lunch, and he just said no. But there was no response back. So, you know, long story short, never, they never—they weren't really sure what happened. But uh, my son and another one of their friends shared their lunch on both those days and then on the next on this next day that third day the kid showed up with his lunch but again he they never could get him to say why but they did get him to eat part of their lunch and so kids really are amazing they go through things that we don't often know and as a parent i didn't know that that happened in that week it wasn't until like a couple of weeks when we were talking or watching something else that he shared it. So a lot of times we don't wow. necessarily know what's going on. Right. And, you know, and so I and I have, like, this list of questions even. You know, I don't just say to my kid, how was your day today? Who did you eat lunch? You know, what did you guys do? What you guys talk about? Because those are the questions that are going to engage That's them right. into conversation.
1: Right, and you're going to get exactly what you want. And yeah. I tell you, it's so funny because as I'm – Going to different schools, I going mm-hmm. to different organizations to read the book. Um, I, I remember two two little kids I had at Boys and Girls Club. One's name was Joseph, one's name was Bonnie. Mm-hmm. And Bonnie was just so anxious. Like I was stopping the book and I would ask questions, and she's like, Come on, just get you to the end. Right? I want to know. <laughs> and then Joseph stopped in the middle and he goes, Jax was kind of bad, huh? And I said, Well, I don't think he was bad. And he goes, I said, I just think, you know, he just wasn't sure that we were going to keep him, you know? Yeah. So he just, you know, he had like his own little thing going. He goes, I said, but yeah, sometimes he's, he's mischievous. And we were talking about the, the first book, because mm-hmm. the first book, the dogs were getting into trouble because that was their way of yeah. getting mom and little and stepbrother to talk, right? <laughs> um, or a little brother and, and stepmom to talk. And I said, um, you know, they were doing, yeah, mischievous things, but it was for a good reason. And he, mm-hmm. and he stops and he looks at his teacher. He goes, I'm mischievous too, huh? Right, Miss Johnson? I'm mischievous all the time. And I'm like, Joseph. <laughs> I said, no, not as bad as Jackson Riley. But he identified with that.
0: Exactly. And he was
1: like, but sometimes I'm good. Okay. I mean, now, now we're making yeah. progress, you know. Yeah. So they love it. Um, when I was... Um, I went back and did my old elementary school in Kansas. I okay. went to the entire elementary school, 300 students. That's amazing. From fifth grade, from um, kindergarten to fifth grade, and I loved it. And after after I got done, I was giving out hugs and high fives and bookmarks, and I had this young man come up to me, mm-hmm. and he was probably probably first or I think it was like first or second grade. And he goes, your illustrator, his name is, is, is Hector. And I said, yeah, my God. Uh, and he goes, and he's from Mexico? And I said, yeah, he's from Mexico. And he looks at me. I, I, I'm so glad my photographer got this picture. He looks at me he goes, I'm from Mexico. Wow. So you think that I could be an illustrator? And I said, absolutely. So you never know yeah. what pieces they're picking up.
0: And books inspire people. They do. You know? they, they do. And I love the fact that, you know, even in the digital here, I am. I'm a book per. I still will yes. purchase a book, yeah. you know, because I like the pages. I like to turn. I've tried to read books, um, on uh, on my Kindle, and it's it's okay. I mean, there's some situations where I've had to read them. Obviously, mm-hmm. when in grad school, you just have to do it. But I really do miss and. Feel. I, I enjoy reading the book with the pages Feeling
1: the book and feeling the pages And flipping the pages yeah. It adds to the experience yeah. And so you, you tend to remember In my opinion You tend to remember certain things that happened when you flip to the pages and you actually get to touch the pages of a book yeah. or you get to see the actual pictures and color and how they pop off the pages when you're looking at when you're reading it. yeah when you're reading
0: tough tell, tell us a little real quick um so the proceeds from the second book <clears throat> jackson riley meet their new brother um no i'll go back that was the first book yes um, the second book is Jacks came from Frost and Cake, so that's this book that I have here. So, talk about the upcoming book drive. Um, it is supporting the Dallas Life Shelter, Shelter, which is in Dallas. Um, I've been there many times and have in my former in my former world uh, they were a partner. So, um, it is an amazing shelter um, that shelters families. Um, not just men and women, but families. Um, but talk about your partnership and the book drive.
1: Okay, perfect. So, really quick, um, I'm excited to do um, to be going there to actually read my book
0: good, uh, to the good. children in the
1: shelter. Um, we are partnering with uh, the Dallas Life Shelter and dallas isd police department
0: okay great so
1: officer victoria t is the one that put this together and called me and said i would love for you to come out and read to the children and i said okay great um i gave a bunch of bookmarks so they could have so we're raising we're raising books right we're um, collecting books books of all sorts but what i would like to do what i'm doing they've been doing this since I want to say January the 1st. Okay. Um, So what I want to do is I want to have a book for every child, a signed copy of my book for every child after I do my book reading. Okay. So I think right now she said we... They're looking at 100 to 133 kids that are coming in and out of that shelter. So I've been asking family members and friends and partners to help purchase a book. So on my website, www.jacksonreilly.com. I've lowered the price of the book to $7. You can go onto my website. You can purchase the book from there. Um, and just in the ship, you can put your shipping address um, and just put shelter in the name. And I'll make sure that they know that you are. The donor for that book
0: for the book okay
1: so that way my book is also sold on amazon.com barnesandnobles.com but if you want to get it from my website please do and um i will make sure all the books get delivered to the shelter because i would love to hand out a book to every child that's there
0: that's amazing that is amazing well definitely put us down for a couple books i'll go online and and do mine as well.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. You are
0: welcome. You are welcome. Um, so everyone, uh, you know, this is, I'm so excited. But before we go, because we've got just a few more minutes, you've got one more book coming. And it's in the works now. Yes, you um, Share with us a, b- a little about that. And then it's expected Um, Maybe release date? Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. So I'm hoping to release it in the fall. I'm starting to work on illustrations. So this is the third book in the the Adventures of Jackson Riley series. And it's called Riley, You Can't Eat That. (laughs) And um, basically the dogs go to the doctor. Riley finds out he has childhood diabetes. Mm. And so we have to do some adjusting. Um, and if you've been onto my, their Instagram page, you will see that he loves snacks. He loves treats. Okay. So this was insp- really inspired by him. So um, he goes, he gets diagnosed. He's upset. He can't get a lollipop and he just doesn't understand. Yeah. He doesn't know how to articulate to mom that he's upset. So mom and Jax go create some great recipes. And by the end of the story, Riley's out of his room. He's happy because now he can eat pizza, Mm -hmm. just not the pizza that he normally was able to eat. Now, the cool thing about this book is I have a sister that is a trained professional chef. And she's creating some recipes for me to put in the back of the book so very nice the parents that have children that have kids that have some type of you know um, what some 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 eating um, um, restriction okay they'll be able to follow have some of those fun recipes that the dogs will be making in I the
0: book. love it so. love it. Kendria, congratulations. Thank you so much, and thank no, you for having me. No, this is so, amazing, so and, you know, again, um, I've, I've been wanting to share your story because, again, I think it's important to talk about um, women who are not only serving but also um, giving back. Um, in a unique way and and certainly just you know writing books is great but really writing group books with a purpose and a passion and being able to see that these are going to be you know this book proceeds are going to really help enhance a child's life and for those of you all that aren't familiar with a lot of our shelters you know our children are going to the shelters with really like one bag of like it's a, it's like a typically a 33 gallon bag um, that really is just has all of their belongings. That's their parents and that's them. And so um, you know sometimes they don't even have books and toys, and that's why you see lots of toy drives and all those things throughout the year. And so just know that um, you know it's the little things that you can bring to a child's life throughout this particular process Um, you know we hope and pray that it is not a forever process for them Um, but for some it's kind of long term and so it's important and I love to see when people really want to get involved in in just a different unique way um, so that um, it really impacts our community. So um, to those of you that have been listening in, um, oh, we need the website again. Okay, so someone on uh, Facebook Live is asking for the website. Can you give that again?
1: Yes, it's www.jacksonwiley.com.
0: And I'll post it as well, um, but hopefully uh, if you didn't get it, let me know. But I'll make sure that I post it so that you guys can go online. And then also, for those of you that are listening, if you have a nonprofit that uh, you think that Kendria would um, be inspired to go out and visit um, and possibly um, read some books to some deserving kids, let me know. You can send me a text or DM me. And I will make sure that you um, get connected with her. We would love to see her um, really talking and having different places to support and attend throughout her whole book series. This would be really incredible. And I know that you guys can help me do that. So um, we are coming to the end of our show. So again, my guest today was Kendria Taylor. She's author and philanthropist. And she is the author of The Adventures of Jax and Riley series. And so you can pick her books up on Amazon.com. And I'll also post the information on our Facebook page. But thank you, Kendria, for coming in.
1: Thank you so much, Lily. I appreciate being here
0: so no, much. No, you are very welcome. And I will talk to you guys later. Thank you for tuning in on Facebook Live. And to my listeners on the Internet, thank you again for your support. And I'll see you guys next week. Have a wonderful day.